0: You are listening to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast, Episode 89 There Are Worse Things Than Being Alone. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sanchez. I have five kids and I love sports on the piano, and I'm also a certified life coach and divorce coach. Here I talk about living your best life, whether you're divorced, married, or single it doesn't matter. Achievement is nothing without fulfillment. So let's go. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast today. I hope everybody is feeling great and doing well. Interesting topic today. There are worse things than being alone. You know, the funny thing when I was starting to put this podcast together, I came across that there's an actual song by Willie Nelson about how there's worse things than being alone. And there was a line from it, and he says, it's like a funeral, but nobody died. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so how it feels. I remember talking to one of my friends who was divorced three times, and she talked about, for her, that it seemed worse than death because her ex was still around. But it is a death, It's, it's traumatic. And it hurts. And especially in a culture that we live in where we're supposed to be with someone, right? Everybody asks when you're single, so who are you dating? Who are you with? Like somehow our lives, we're supposed to be with someone. We've even heard phrases like our better half, our other half, you know, so somehow we're not whole if we are single or, you know, not involved with somebody. So it's really ingrained in our culture. And I feel that in the Mormon culture, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it goes another level, doesn't it? It's our divine mission and eternal destiny to have a mate we share eternity with. With that in mind, how can we not make it top priority? How can we be okay with living a single And fulfilled life without sharing it with someone. It almost feels like we have to give up on that dream. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can live a single and fulfilled life. And that you, at the same time, don't have to give up on that dream. But we can calm down a little bit about it. (laughs) So it's like, it gets to this point where many people, this dream becomes like it's on steroids, it's inflated. The desire to find someone is almost too much and desire can be great, but it can also be like gasoline. It can burn too hot. It's also like a lubricant. It can grease the gears, but if you have too much, things get slippery and hard to hold on to. It also doesn't show very well or not always. So doesn't that make sense when someone is just trying so hard or too hard, things just slip through their hands or when someone's just trying to make it work and you just don't belong together. You just shouldn't be together. I know someone who has even said this is a young person. She said to her mom, Mom, I can do hard things. And this is up to me to make this relationship work. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. And these kids are just dating and it's not going where it should go. They probably should not be together. She's trying too hard. So things are gonna slip through our fingers. So how can we get to a place where we're not trying so hard, where it's not this huge, crazy, heightened focus in our lives? Well, I think of the law of attraction, right? We've heard of that before. The law of attraction basically says it's the ability to attract into our lives whatever we are focusing on. But it's basically materializing our thought. All right, so it's creating things spiritually before we can create them temporally and physically but many times things are not happening because of our own resistance. Now bear with me for a second, how am I resisting Emily when I'm trying so hard? Well think about it, there's a subtle difference between focusing on your desires and hanging on to them in a negative way. Although you might want something A positive outcome is not at the forefront of your concentration, it's actually not what you're focusing on. And let me tell you what you actually are focused on, what you are lacking, all right? You are focusing on what you are needing. I am so lonely, I need companionship, I need this, I can't possibly be single for this many years. I actually had a client say that to me. He asked me how long I was single after divorce. And I was not single that long, only three years. And I told him that and he about freaked out. I can't sustain my life that way. I can't subsist alone. Oh, buddy, if you can't subsist alone, you're in in for some trouble. (laughs) And so you have to be careful of what you're focusing is actually on. Are you focusing on what you are lacking? your loneliness what you need 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 or are you focusing on what you could give and contribute the positive sides to having a relationship so what we need to do is change the I need a person to fulfill this to I will give this to a relationship right Not, I need my loneliness to be succumbed, but I want to work on fulfilling my own needs so that I can give so much more. And if you think about it, this works whether you're single or married. What we are always wanting our spouse to give to us, or if we don't have a spouse, we're focusing on the lack. I want you to think about it in your life. Where are you focusing on the lack? in is it relationships with your kids too are you focusing on what is lacking or are you focusing on what it could be and what you could give to it to make it that way and I think that when we do that we change that heightened um, almost that crazy desire of course it's a righteous desire and we want those to happen in our lives and that's totally fine and all good but you have to be careful to not make it your end-all, be-all focus to get into the crazy side of desire. So to change focus, we've got to look inside ourselves and see what you have or want to develop to give to someone. So we're going to work on ourselves. Let's work on you. You know, President Hinckley gave the most amazing talk. I love President Hinckley so much. And I was looking at this um, fireside that he gave to single adults. And he was talking about how much life there is to live. Um, He says that it reminded me of Madame Curie. She's the great scientist. And her little saying was, so little time and so much to do. So he thought of the story of Florence Nightingale. If you guys don't know it, basically Florence Nightingale was this English girl born to wealthy parents. She had a gentle life. She received this great classical education, but she was not content to exist as a social butterfly, flitting from party to party and tea to tea. So, as a single young woman, she visited hospitals where she could, she saw the suffering of the sick, the inadequate care given to them, and she became a nurse. She worked her way up to become superintendent of a London hospital. Then, in 1854, word reached London of the terrible plight of the sick and wounded in the Crimean War. So, she pestered her government officials to let her go there and she finally received permission from the Secretary of War. So she took a staff of 38 nurses and they traveled straight into the war zone. She saw the wounded brought in by the hundreds to an inadequate and unsanitary hospital. She defied the military and the bureaucracy in making improvements. She personally would work 20 hours at a time At night, she made her solitary rounds, her lamp in hand, to speak words of comfort and faith to the suffering and the dying. She soon had 10,000 wounded and sick in her charge and was made superintendent of all military hospitals in the area. Then in 1855, shortly after her arrival, the mortality rate was 42% in hospitals and then that was in February, and by June, it was down to just 2%. So she was working miracles, saving thousands of lives. And the word got out to London of her accomplishments, and she became this heroine. Even at the close of the war in 1856, a battleship was ordered to bring her home for a great reception. Instead, she slipped away on a French boat, quietly crossed over to London and reached her country home before news leaked that she was back in Britain. She became the founder of the nursing system of England. Wow, what a story. So much life, so much to give. And then President Hinckley also in his talk talked about another woman named Clara Barton. She was born to comfort in Massachusetts during the Civil War. And she started to distribute supplies for the relief of the wounded soldiers. And at the end of the war, the, she organized a bureau of records to aid in the search for missing men. She identified and marked the graves of more than 12,000 of those buried in the National Cemetery in Andersonville, Georgia. She was the moving power in organizing what became the American Red Cross and served as its first president from 1881 until 1904, a period of 23 years. She died at 91, honored, respected, and loved as one who had lightened the suffering of uncounted thousands. And he went on and on and on to talk about uh, different people and how they served. And you don't have to be you know, some heroine like Florence Nightingale, but the point is there's so much to do in so little time. There are so many people who need you. Whatever talent you may have, as meager as you think it might be, there's the homeless, there's the hungry, there's the destitute all around us, there's the handicapped children, there's youth on drugs, there's sick and homebound, there's so much and the best antidote for worry is work. The best medicine for despair is service. The best cure for weariness is the challenge of helping someone who is even more tired. Wow oh don't you love President Hinckley? It just brings tears to my eyes and oh gosh I love that. I love that he sees that each of us has something to give, and we can remind us in such plain words that so many times, every time, you guys, the answer is service. You know, I was reading a talk by Robert D. Hills. It's called Waiting Upon the Lord, Thy Will Be Done, back in October of 2011, and it talks about what does waiting upon the Lord mean. He was saying, making the point that so many prophets and so many righteous servants of the Lord had these huge trials. Why? When they're just trying to do what is right. Why are these trials happening? And he talked about a lot of times we're not ready to hear the reasons why. We don't know the reasons right away. What can we do in the meantime? And he says it's a simple phrase. It's waiting upon the Lord. But what does waiting really mean? Does it mean waiting around? Is it a time frame? No, how he explained it was it's through hope, anticipation, and trust. So waiting is not the sitting around. It's more like waiting like a server or a waiter waits upon a table. Think about, yeah, I guess there is a little bit of time that they have to wait, (laughs) but they are asking, what do you need? What do you want? What can I do for you? They are waiting upon us. So I want you to think about it. Each time you think about a waiter, how you are waiting upon the Lord, what are you doing? Are you hoping upon the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord? Basically, it is service to God. It is keeping the commandments. It is praying with your whole heart, the way the Savior prayed. What did the Savior say when he would pray? Thy will be done. Gosh, I need to do that more, you guys. But it is so true. It's having that hope. I think of putting our worries on the altar, almost like a sacrifice. Wouldn't that be the best thing to tell a parent you know what, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I have a, you know, a (laughs) hyper-sensed desire here to not be alone, to get married again, but I'm tired of worrying about this. I'm going to put this on the altar and it's going to be my sacrifice. I'm going to give it to you and trust you, God, that this is a righteous desire and that it's going to be fulfilled as I focus on what I can give and how I can improve myself. And what I can give to others. So I just thought that that waiting upon the Lord has a different meaning when we think of it as service. So what can you do? What service can you give? What can you? What commandment can you give? You know, and do for the Lord. Think about Him. What He wants you to give. Where your focus can go that can actually serve you to your kids, to your community. Gosh, there's so many things. A lot of times, too, I think of this funny little excerpt, but it's not so funny, that Medea, do you guys know Tyler Perry's Medea? Okay, she's funny, right? Sometimes. And she had this excerpt in a play all about being alone. And I just, I should play the soundbite because she says it so much better than me. But she just is like, people got to learn how to be by themselves. People got to learn how to be alone. I don't understand. She's like, I hear it, all these people. I need somebody. I need somebody. Lord, where's my man? They pray. Lord, where's my woman? That is crazy as hell. <laughs> if you don't know how to be by yourself. What you gonna do with someone else? Stop praying about it, shut up, and wait. (laughs) There's that wait word again. Go work on you. That's what that time is for, to get yourself together. I'd rather be in a corner with a puppy and a goldfish and be happy than to be sitting around with somebody in my house and I'm wondering what the hell they there for. (laughs) You will be surprised the things people put up with just to have someone to say they love them that's crazy I don't understand I don't live in dysfunction Medea's strong (laughs) how can we be more like Medea how can we not live in dysfunction how can we put that boundary up to protect ourselves and to be our own best friend and to realize how good we got it Now, I don't want to go into all the reasons of how it could be worse, right? That was just kind of a tagline, let's be honest. But for those of you who have suffered through, you understand. It can be worse. And I will tell you, right after I got divorced, it was harder for a time to get used to being alone and doing all those things alone, even though I did most of those things already. But um, I just remember calling my dad and crying and just saying, I would rather be with, you know, a person that had this and this and this going on. And I was crying and desperate because it was raw and real and hard. And my dad simply just said to me, Em, sometimes the best things are not always the easiest things. That's it. So for a time, It is a a little harder to be alone. Get through it. Do everything you can. Change your focus. Change you. See it as an opportunity. And then I can promise you, you'll get through that hump. It doesn't take too long. And then you'll get to a place where you start thinking, oh, I'd like to be with someone else. And that desire might be hyper-desired. Be careful with that. Yes, it is a righteous desire, but let's calm it down a little bit and let's remember there's worse things. We don't have to jump right into relationship after relationship to get over someone. You do not have to get under them. I hate that phrase, but I just used it because it kind of paints the picture, but let's not do it. Let's focus on us. Let's be like Medea and wait and be fine with it there's so much to do so much life so little time work on you and have fun doing it be excited about the life that you're going to create if you want to work with me need a little more help in this area um, go to my website go to my instagram click on the schedule let's get together okay guys make it what you want have a great day bye Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed the podcast, please write a review, subscribe, share. And if you'd like to do some personal coaching with me, hop on over to my website, CoachEmilySanchez.com.